one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay we're glad to share with you a message from the word of god it's the only hope that we have today no book like the bible this is the great assurance chapter the fifth chapter of first john chapter 5 verse 1 whosoever believeth that jesus is the christ is born of god and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him the theme of these five chapters of course is love and assurance by this we know that we love the children of god when we love god and keep his commandments the second great proof in your salvation is that you keep his commandments you live in the book you walk in the book you can talk like the book and you can have the power that god promises in his word now Turn with me to the Gospel of John for just an assurance verse. We'll tell you why the Bible was written. John 20 and verse 31. We're coming now close to the close of John's revelation as it was in his Gospel. It's the last verse of next to the last chapter of the Gospel of John. 20 verse 31. But these are written. Why? Why was the Bible written? Is it a book of religion? No, sir. Is it a book of science? No, sir. Though no, science, no scientist can disprove it. Is it a book of philosophy? No, sir. But it's the greatest book of philosophy there is. Is it a book of theology? Not primarily, even though it is the only safe book of theology, which means, uh, come from the word theos, which means God. It is Godology, but... Uh, it's more than that. He said, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now then, let's make a conclusion. Why was the Bible written? It was written so that people could go know Jesus and then they'd have eternal life. That's the purpose. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. And so the whole theme of the Bible is salvation and evangelism. And anything short of that or less than that is untrue to the very purpose of the Word of God. And we must never get where we're ashamed to call his name because the Holy Spirit that said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now then, let's go back to 1 John chapter 5. And he said, uh, for this is the love of God, verse 3, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. 
It doesn't grieve us. Fact is, I grieved a lot more before I knew the commandments than I did after I've known the commandments. The commandments of the Lord do not grieve me. No, it's it, it, just like Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart. You shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You think how much lighter your burden is now. Yes. You think, you think of, of what the Lord has done for us in saving us, and that he's taken out fear and put in faith, taken out hate and put in love. What a tremendous miracle that God could take a heart that's been darkened by sin and then put the light of the Lord and the Word of God in it. And it's all of grace. It's not for money or price or silver or gold. It's just because God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Now, he said his commandments are not grievous. Of course, you know, that's the thing that the devil tried, I think, to get Eve to think. said, Eve, I want to ask you a question. Hath God said the first thing that ever was raised against God was a question. You know what he questioned? He questioned the goodness of God. He said, you mean God told you you could have, you could not eat of a certain tree? He said, yes, that's right. Well, he just knows, see, he's, he's holding out on you. He's got a secret he didn't want you in on, see. And uh, he raised a question about God's goodness and God's love. The world still does that, you know that? People say today, well, I, I just don't believe God's unreasonable. I believe that everybody's going to get in. Everybody's going to get to heaven, and I don't believe the Lord will send anybody to hell. I don't either, but there are a lot of people going because they haven't believed in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Let me ask you this. What kind of heaven would we have, would we have if everybody in Corpus went to heaven? Have you ever thought about what a wicked heaven that would be? Have you ever thought about the dope addict could get up there and the cigarette smoker and the liar and the gambler and the murderer and the criminal and the dope peddler and the pusher? I mean, if they all got into heaven? Reckon what they'd think about heaven. Well, let me ask you another question. Reckon what they'd think about a service like this if they walked in and were hemmed up in it. I imagine they'd say, that's enough for me. I don't want any more of that. I mean, that's too fanatical. And yet heaven's going to be a very pure, wonderful, happy, holy place. And there'll be the absence of sin. There'll be nothing that'll make for uncleanness. No uncleanness at all. This whole world's been made unclean because of man's uncleanness. But Jesus is going to have a cleanup program on these days down here. And we talk about pollution. We're not interested in getting rid of pollution. You know that? If we were, we'd stop all cigarette factories. We'd stop them from smoking on the planes and the cars and the offices and, and everything. I mean, uh, we would not. That's pollution. That's poison. And uh, all the filth. You know, one of the great problems in America today is to find a place to dump the garbage. Look like we're about to run into more garbage than we have anything else. And it's a real problem. Many of the animals... I mean, the sea animals out in the waters, they've choked to death because of the plastic bags that they swallowed, you see. And uh, they've died, huge things. And uh, there's not any place. And the, the seas have been polluted, and the ocean has been polluted, and the water streams and waterways and rivers have been polluted. The tanks and the reservoirs have been polluted. Man's trash. Man's got so much trash about him, so much filth about him. And man refuses, seem like, to put back into the soil what he takes out of it. And now then, he's been served an overdraft 
and uh, the bank is depleted, if you please, and the, and the food we eat is depleted and lifeless and dead. And time they get through shooting a bunch of preservatives, you see, and embalming fluids into it, and man's sick today. You think about it. You know why? We've gotten away from what the book says. We've refused to respect Mother Earth and Mother Nature and to go by what God said. We've refused to go by the clean things that God put in the book. And so we find ourselves outside of the ark of safety, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and financially. And so, unless we get back to Him and say, Lord, your plan will be the order of the day. We're coming back. Who cares if we make less money? I'd rather have more life, hadn't you? I mean, what does a dead man need with money? What is wealth going to mean when everybody lays up in the hospital begging for Medicare or something else? Why, we don't need the drugs. We need the health that God gives us. A little nurse came to me in Denver, and she's a precious girl, and I guess I was a little blunt in what I said, but you have to get blunt to, make, to get people's attention. You can't just ease up and, and, uh, and, and just soft soap. And so she came to me and she said, uh, I'm a nurse. I could tell the way she said it uh, that uh, something I said she didn't appreciate, and which was all right. And I said, all right. And her husband, fine-looking young man, was with her. And she said, uh, let me say, Brother Olaf, to you right now that I do not believe that you're right about the drugs. I didn't read the article written on the drug culture by the doctor, and uh, I didn't take some other things along that I'd shared, but I simply kind of gathered a conclusion and just pitched it out in a hurry. And she said, I believe there are a lot of good drugs. And she said, I believe there's healing in drugs. I said, I never met a drug there's healing in. Never. Say what you please, dear friends. Healing comes from God. I don't believe in healers. I don't believe in divine healers. I believe in the divine healer. I believe that, the, and I believe the one point of contact is the Word of God right here. And I'm not going to get away from the book one step. There might be some emergencies where drugs are needed, but what I've cried out against is the abuse and misuse of drugs. And now then we have a drug civilization. We have a dead civilization, and it doesn't heal. Just like old Dr. Beeler said, one of the greatest medical doctors for 50 years, he practiced medicine in this country and wrote a tremendous volume that my son-in-law gave me. And I wish everybody could read this volume. But I'll guarantee you, he'll trot out more things than you've ever heard about or read about in your life. And they sound practical and they're sensible. And he said, you might as well try to put out a burning building by pouring gasoline on the flame as to heal a human body by putting drugs into it. They're contrary to all Mother Nature's healing methods. And he said, for 50 years I tried it to no success. My mother and daddy wanted me to be a great surgeon and a great doctor, and I did. I reached the apex. I came to the climax. I reached Pike's Peak in my ministry, and in waiting on the bodies of human beings, but he said, I've had to learn some very simple things. And he gives them in the book amazing things, amazing things. Why, well, he'd send you back to the water spring, and he'd send you back to the natural things that God has given. But you see, man has gotten so smart, and science is so far-fetched it doesn't work. Science has tackled the soil and ruined it. 
Science has tackled the human body and ruined it. Science has cut down on the health mentally because of science. Wherever you find modern science, say what you please. And I've had to go to school 19 years to, uh, to earn the privilege of saying what I'm saying. Wherever you find modern science, you find death and decay and tradition and custom and sickness and disease. That's what you find where you find modern science. She stands condemned, but I'm not going to be unkind. Wherever you find modern religion, you find the same thing. Wherever you find denominationalism to the expense of faith in Christ and the new birth and the virgin birth, you find the same thing, death. You go to the average church and you'll find death and deadness. You'll not find hilarious singing. You'll not hear testimonies given. You'll not find a lengthy message or a sermon against sin and for Christ and people getting saved. And right, why? Modernism doesn't have it to offer. It just doesn't have it to offer. Education without regeneration and sanctification is helpless before the onslaughts of sin. You ever wondered why there's a few churches and denominations that would tackle alcoholics and narcotic addicts, fallen girls and delinquent girls and boy, why? Have you ever thought of how few churches ever have had in the history of America one home for convicts that have been off to prison? Reckon why? They know they're coming out, but the church has no program. There's not a denomination, hardly that I know of, has one program for a convict, loneliest man. man said to me the other day in the letter, Brother Roth, when I walk out of the prison, I have $20 in my pocket and the clothes I got on. Where am I going? I mean, I was glad to say, well, come in my direction. <laughs> I mean, we'd be glad to see you. Such a challenge. See that old boy come walking up, you know, kind of timid like, you know, and he said, I'm so-and-so. I said, from Kentucky? Yes, sir. Or from Hunt? Yes, sir. I said, welcome. Welcome. You know why? You said, aren't you scared of them? They're like the colored man down at the jail one night. I never forget. He said, aren't you scared of us? Aren't you scared of us, old convicts? I said, scared? I hadn't even dawned on them. I said, scared of you? For what? He said, we, we're criminals. Man, we don't kill people. I've been to the pen. I'm thinking, go back again. And said, I mean, said, we mean people. I said, nah, you wouldn't be very mean if Jesus got in your heart. I mean, he'll tame you. He'll save you from your sin. Isn't that good news? I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that our Christ can save anybody? Don't make any difference who they are if they'll put their trust in you. Talk about a message. I mean, that's it. God's able, and I believe God's willing to supply every need that we have. Now then, let's read on. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now then, that determines whether we're going to be an overcomer or not. Where is your faith? Jesus said, how is it you have no faith? Where is your faith? Put your faith in Him through the Word. He said, you'll be an overcomer. Aren't we in a mess today? Can you imagine? I tell you, why, back on many years ago, if a man, if a man came through the community and got out of line, I tell you, he really beat it out of the community in a double hurry. Why, everything in the whole community raised up and said, I mean, infidels, unbelievers, and Christians alike said, we'll never put up for that in our community. This is a peace-loving, clean community. But now then, and let me tell you something, the end is not yet with the old saloon back, with dope being licensed, 
And with the uh, methadone program coming on, a man said, Brother Wolof, I understand you work with dope addicts and alcohol. I said, yes, for many, many years. And he said, well, we've got a boy, 22 years of age, and said, uh, he's uh, really hooked. Oh, he's been a mainliner on heroin, but he said, I believe we're making progress. We've got him on methadone now. He goes every day, every day to the hospital, and they shoot the methadone to him. And he said, we're making progress. And I said, do you still smoke? Oh, yes, he's saturated with cigarettes and methadone. But said, he's not quite as bad as he has been. I said, you're wasting your time. You're wasting our tax money. That's of the devil. There's only one person ever to deliver that poor dope head, and that's Jesus Christ. The man said, I believe that's right. But how are we going to get it done? Oh, listen, dear friends. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. This old book tells you the only place and the only way is just to come to Christ and trust Him. And when you're born again, you become a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Let's read on into the assurance. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. On the inside. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that if we have, that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That means according to the Word. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. I close with the text, verse 13. These things have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You've got to know it. You can know it. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. If the devil came to me today and said, uh, all right, you've been preaching about this salvation now, and you're so sure of it. Give me your reasons. I'd say... I believe on Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I've believed on Him. I've received Him. I trust Him. I'm not counting on the best deed I ever did in my life. And I had a thought this morning, and I guess all of us have a few thoughts along this line. Have you ever thought about the bad things you've done? Wouldn't you like to forget all that? I'm glad my Heavenly Father has. And then the Lord came to me and comforted me. And this is what He said. And surely I have no right to brag about it because... 
every good thing and every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So remember this, if you've ever done anything good, God did it, you didn't. And unless you're willing to admit that, you're just on dangerous ground right now. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. And if some of you have made greater progress than some of the rest, and some of you have more talent and maybe more ability and more education, you better thank God for it if you use it for Him because it'll be a curse if you don't. But the Lord said something to me, and I apologized to Him so many times. I think sometimes He gets a little disgusted with me because I bring up the past or I bring up a mistake or a blunder or sin way back down the trail somewhere. And he said, son, I put that under the blood 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And I don't know why you want to go out to the cemetery and dig up some more. More bones. Don't dig them up. Leave them alone. But he whispered something good to me today, this morning. This is what he said. He said, son, I know every bad thing you've ever done, every thought you've ever thought, and uh, I, I, I apologize. I said, Lord, I wish I had never hurt anybody in my life. Wouldn't it be something if you could get through life without hurting anybody? Never hurt anybody's feelings? Never hurt anybody's life? Never cheat anybody? If you could get through. But you know what he said to me this morning? And I appreciate it. And it was a blessing to me. He said, son, I believe that b because of my grace and my call and my salvation, you've helped a lot more than you've hurt. And I said, praise the Lord. And I want to help everybody from now on and hurt nobody from now on. But now, wasn't that a sweet thing the Lord would say to me? And he'd say that to you too, if you'll turn your life over to him. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. Part 10 of today was tomorrow may will carry me through no matter what evils betide why should I then care though the tempest may blow if Jesus walks close to my side sing it living by faith. 